Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Hello and welcome to Countryside here on Manx Radio. I'm Simon Clark. And I'm Kerry Kermud. On Sunday, I popped along to see Paul Fletcher from the FWAG Group. I speak to Sarah Comish from the NFU and also Lou Kenyuk from the Eastern Community Policing and to find out more about the livestock worrying that can happen around the Isle of Man farms at this particular time of year. Well, firstly, Kiri, uh, some important news because it, it can be a difficult time of year with everything that's going on around farms, particularly uh, for mental health and attitude. Indeed it is. It can be very tricky all year round on the farm. But this week, there's been this 10-year celebration from the Farm Safety Foundation, the Mind Your Head campaign. It was starting on the, the 12th to the 16th of February, and it was getting everybody involved to uh, call around on the neighbouring farms or go to a young farmers meeting to catch up and just talk about your day or how things are going on the farm. Some of the young farmers will be aware of the yellow wellies and the, the hashtag who will fill your boots. It's quite a striking strap line, but it is very, very important that we do talk and that we do pop round and see each other. Yeah, I think it's something that uh, has been a lot more awareness of in this day and age. And I think, uh, I think personally, it's helping a lot of people, isn't it? It really is. And they've just released their sixth edition, a little book of all of the national and regional charities and support groups that people can reach out to and talk to. They don't necessarily have to be in your area if you're a little embarrassed or, or don't want to really talk to anyone local. You can reach out to somebody else. But it's so important. They, they've got a lovely Facebook page, the Farm Safety Foundation, and there's free on online courses as well, health and safety courses that can help support your farm as well. Indeed. Well, February and March are a particularly worrying time for livestock owners with cows calving and sheep lambing. And there's that ever worrying threat from animals that could attack their livestock during this difficult time. Well, I spoke to Sarah Comish, the General Secretary of the Manx National Farmers Union, but firstly, Lou Kenyuk, who is the Eastern Community Police Officer. And I put it to Lou, firstly, that uh, it is a particularly worrying time for livestock owners with the threat from particularly stray dogs. It is. It's this time of year where we have, obviously, the lambs coming and it's the start of that season. And it does seem to bring some instances of livestock worrying and issues with people walking off paths, shall we say, and, and the dogs not being under their control. So it does all coincide. The weather's getting nicer. People are getting out with their dogs, which is fantastic. But sometimes it just goes a little bit wrong. So we want to try and make sure that everyone enjoys the countryside, but make sure that other animals are not harmed, shall we say. Uh, and how big a problem you hear about um, on quite large scales uh, away from the Isle of Man, but it, you hear instances here. Is, is it a problem? It's really difficult because from working last year, Sarah and I and Defa worked together because we knew it took place. We're not ignorant of that, and we understand from the, the farmers that these instances of livestock worrying take place, but we think from information that we had on our records, the police, and from some research that Sarah did, that there's, a, there's an under-reporting of it. So what we want to do is work out why that is and try and get reporting better from the farmers. It's only with statistics and instances that we can look at patterns and then from the patterns we can see what needs changing. So is it a DEFRA thing where we need better gates? Do we need better signage? So that's why we're trying to work together again this year to really see what the patterns are, to try and make some changes if we can. Well, Sarah, you're pretty close, obviously, with the with the farmers themselves. I mean, where why is this... Um sort of non-reporting going and getting mentioned? 
I think from a farmer perspective, what we picked up um, last year and this year is that there's a lack of confidence in anything coming as a result of reporting it. So you could report an incident, but really, um, probably due to our quite outdated legislation, there's not really any ability for the police to follow it up. There, there are laws, though, Lou, yeah? Yeah, we work mainly under the, the Dogs Act, which is 1990, so that's going over 30 years. Now, the police, what we do is we work with the legislation. We have we have to be impartial, fair, and we use that legislation, so we can't really influence change. However, with getting statistics, with getting patterns, we can show that and put it towards the people that maybe can make these changes. Sarah, are the, are the farmers getting really frustrated about it or of the took it as a sort of oh well that's the way the things are at the moment or are they pushing or mentioning to you for change yeah so last year um on the back of a survey that we ran with our farmer membership um we put forward a proposal to defa um to the animal health team for introducing stronger legislation to prosecute people um, with dogs out of control worrying livestock um, when we talk about livestock we do particularly focus on sheep this time of year because obviously they're very vulnerable um, they're either pregnant ewes or they've got lambs um, but any livestock you know um, including horses as well um, and we put that proposal forward last year um, we'd like it to come in potentially a secondary legislation under the new animal welfare act um, but at the moment for the police, it's been difficult, I think, because it's not getting reported. Um, so I really want to encourage farmers to report any incidents and to gather evidence wherever they can. Is that a, a difficult one for the Isle of Man Constabulary, Lou, where uh, you can go and you can find out, you can see it firsthand, which obviously must be a terrible sight. Mm -hmm. But when it goes further, is, is that where it's difficult to to get to the nitty gritty of it yeah it can be tricky like most offences and, and everything that we do i mean even down to this it can be tricky because we rely on evidence and without that we have absolutely nothing and the nature of these matters often it's on farmland they're not covered by cctv there might not be witnesses etc so sometimes we have a lot of difficulty getting it to the point of any convictions or prosecutions or even identifying the owners the dogs etc However, when we do, it's it's useful because we get to speak to that person. But then again, the nature of it causes problems again because we're using the legislation that we have and we're using the court system and it's all we can do. But unless we know about them, we can't look into them. It is difficult, but we just urge people to tell us and it's only by knowing about it can we try and unpick where the issues are. Yeah, I suppose the more um, people that are reporting this is the more pattern you can put together of, of how many people had seen that dog or yeah, person yeah seen. and it's about patterns on the island is it something happening in certain areas is it certain places where like you say we identify weakness in the fencing and if that's a deafer thing to, to work with the farmers so there's loads of little things but it's only by knowing about them can we actually unpick them um and is it the same dog do we have the same descriptions so that's why we we really urge people to I understand the frustrations. Um, trust me, there's a lot of frustrations with the law, but I also want people to understand that we care, that these livestock, these animals, the, the people's livelihood, it's a cost to the person. Um, and myself, I've witnessed things as a police officer, and it's quite horrific when you see these instances of livestock ruined, the harm that it causes to the, and it is mainly sheep and lambs, it, it's quite horrific to see. 
And it might be a family pet. They might think it's trained, but sometimes it can go horrifically wrong. Mm, I mean, the the farmers, <coughs> we mentioned the sheep and lambs there, but I mean, horses, uh, cattle getting chased around, uh, cows, and it, it's a calving time of year as well. And it's, you know, it's difficult to sort of see a, a dog maybe, you know, uh, killing a, a, a big cow or something like that but it's the damage that it can do when they're in calf and things as well that, that goes unnoticed i suppose yeah it's the stress it causes also dogs love chasing everybody's dog loves chasing things and that's what they will do um and and sometimes when they get carried away with that you can't stop them um and i think that chasing in itself does a lot of harm because um, especially with sheep and cattle, you can chase them into very dangerous places. They get stuck in fences. They can get chased down into ditches. They can, um, you know, all sorts of things can happen. They can get crowded into a corner, particularly with sheep. Um, you know, once they get bunched up into a corner, they can suffocate. So it does cause an immense amount of suffering for the animals. It's not just about the financial cost. Yeah. And, and that, for farmer is, you know, I know we all like to think farmers are quite tough, really, but it is pretty distressing to have to go through that. But you look at um, you look at farmers, uh, they spend their lives uh, raising uh, young calves, lambs, whatever they've got on the farm. And the to see uh, the livestock down, uh, and they've got the right, is it by law, Lou, that they can destroy the animal uh, on the site, but... Uh, as animal lovers themselves, you know they're not going to take great pleasure in that either. No, it is. It's it's difficult. And again, I've I've seen it take place where a farmer's had to uh, shoot the dog that had caused massive uh, injury to the, the sheep. It isn't nice, and it cannot be pleasant for the farmer to have to make that ultimate decision. But they are covered by the legislation to do so. Um, they are entitled. Obviously, they must hold the right regulations and permits, which we presume. But they're entitled to take whatever means they can to stop their animals being hurt repeatedly by, by dogs. So your dog might be shot by the farmer, and it is something they can do to protect their livestock. What about um, well, a lot of us have dogs ourselves, and is there a sort of perception that, oh, my little Jack Russell, my little um, pooch uh, is not going to do... He's never chases sheep or anything like that. He's not going to do any harm. Uh, this perception is quite high, I would think, is it? It really is. Um, it was quite evident. Uh, we sat through the court case last year um, where someone was prosecuted for their dogs their dogs repeatedly worrying sheep um, and injuring them. Um, and part of the defence was that they were lovely family pets. Um, my argument is they're all lovely family pets, but they all love to chase. And if you haven't got them under control, they, that's what they will do. You mentioned, I've heard mentioned as well the possibilities of, um, I know there's lots of cats and dogs even now uh, that are microchipped and they can be identified. Uh, I sort of read something about maybe this could go further with, with DNA sampling and things like that. Is, is that something that uh, is coming or be mentioned? Um, that's what we've put forward in our proposal ah. to DEFA that we would like to see. Um, more powers for the police um, and vets to um, gather evidence and part of that could potentially be DNA testing on dogs and on the sheep or cattle that are injured. So it's I don't think it's a perfect solution. I think it might be quite complicated, but it would be there to back up um, any other evidence gathering. 
But obviously, um, this would help the constabulary, certainly with uh, identification and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's not what anyone wants, is it? The, the ideal solution is for the public mm-hmm. to keep their uh, dogs or whatever, wallabies, whatever they're walking, under control. And, you know, th- then it wouldn't have to get to this uh, far. Absolutely. And this is why Sarah and I now, this is the second year we've worked together. And it, it's about kind of educating and showing and just trying to get people to see that, that we don't want to use the law, the legislation. We'll use it if we have to, rightly so. But we actually want people to take responsibility because we all live on this island. We've all bought into it. We're here. And it's a fantastic place where you can roam, you can take your pets, your friendly pets. But we just want everyone to work together and do it responsibly. Last year was brilliant because uh, we took uh, NFU's, uh, is it Jelly and Oof? Jelly and Oof, We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. <laughs> we took, um, it was a, a cow and a sheep. I can't remember which way around. Is it Jelly? the cow jelly's the cow oops and oops the sheep, the sheep. Yeah. we took them into the primary schools around the east all my primary schools that i work with and it was fantastic because these are young kids and these kids get it they understand about animals some of these kids had never seen a, a sheep and a cow close up but they understand about respecting our island and looking after each other and it was fantastic to see and they had the best day and this is young people and that message hopefully went back to the parents the older people etc and it's all about us working together and that was the most fun i've had at work ever i think yeah i know i love jelly and visiting schools it's great fun um and the kids are amazing because they do actually know quite a lot when you start to ask them questions it they they understand a lot um and we hope that they'll take that with them Mm -hmm. and they'll take it to their families and they'll talk Mm -hmm. about it Um, and on the back of that we've created some signage Um, it's our friendly signage uh, and it is for farmers and it is free for farmers it's been supported by DEFA and the Rotary Club of Douglas who've been amazing Um, and basically all they need to do is get in contact with us and we've got free signage that they can put up particularly on land that borders footpaths and glens um, and the forestries it could be really useful for them. It's just advisory signage on the Countryside Code. Lou Kenyuk, uh, one of the Eastern Community Police Officers, and also Sarah Comish there, the General Secretary of the Manx National Farmers Union. And it, uh, you hear about it, and as uh, they were both saying there, it's a, a very difficult one, you know, with um, uh, the way things are with evidence and proving things. And it's just a message, really, that the best way to combat this is just keep an eye on things, particularly at this time of year. Absolutely. We're very lucky on the island. You know, the, the dog owners are pretty responsible, but it's in big open spaces in the top of Scotland there where they just roam free and the disasters is unbelievable. But uh, I think on the island, people it, they do help each other out and they do take their dogs elsewhere to walk them through these, uh, these next coming months. Uh, so it is appreciated what they do. But um, yeah, just be mindful in the countryside. <laughs> You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, FWAG, some people will have heard of it, but it's the Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group, uh, Kiri. And you found out what they're up to at the moment. I did indeed. I popped along to Belig Farm there in Jerby to catch up with Paul Fletcher, just as they're lambing their sheep. So here we are up in Jerby with... Paul Fletcher. Well, Paul, all the way up here, the countryside is looking spectacular. Now, I know this is the first dry day we've had in quite a while this Sunday afternoon. But, uh, yeah, what do you think of the countryside? Wet. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I think things are starting to shoot. You know, the snowdrops have been up a while. There's daffies, daffies have been in flower. We've had them, daffies in flower must be two, three weeks now. In some ways, na- nature's still plodding on just the same, but I don't, I don't ever recall it being so wet this time of year. But Paul, you're busy lambing uh, alongside Hillary here. Um, how are the lambings, lambings going? It's tick, ticking along, uh, you know, but we, we put the, the sheep run out in the, in, in the day and then they come in and come in overnight. Uh, and depending on, on, on how, how, how wet it is, they come in early, you know, sooner or later, they get turned out sooner or later. Yeah. To, you just got to work with the weather. Well, this is it, absolutely. And you've lambed early for a number of years now. Yeah, historically we, are, we used to lamb when we were both teaching around half terms and then in the Easter holidays. Uh, so things haven't changed a lot. <laughs> no, they haven't. Well, this year we had the Farm Conservation Challenge, as always, done with FWAG. Now, it's a group you've been involved with for a number of years. Yeah, no, we'd had a, a quiet year or two, particularly around COVID and stuff, uh, but things have, you know, back back rolling again. Uh, we've been very busy the last couple of years with the farm competition with support from Jackson's, and we were challenged at the uh, by one of the founder members of FWAG, George Ratcliffe, back at the presentation, actually, at Jackson's. He said, FWAG's supposed to be not just about supporting farming and, and doing the farm competition and doing the farm walks and what have you, but what about sharing knowledge? Mm-hmm, and, he ch- and and we've talked to DEFA and we've had support from DEFA uh, to actually bring some speakers over. So we're actually involved in the knowledge-sharing process through people that are you know, in, in, in part of FWAG, FWAG in the UK and in Wales and so on but a bit more integration and actually bringing people over uh, to the island along with Grass and Society doing the same sort of thing, bringing speakers over uh, and, and sharing knowledge and good practice. And with that said, for some of our listeners that don't know what FWAG is, um, the Isle of Man Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group that encourages support of wildlife alongside commercial food production. Now, it's not just all about birds and butterflies, clearly. No, when, you go, when farmers go out the door in the morning, they go out, the farmer... I was always taught at college, it's about animal husbandry and plant husbandry. And that means, a husband is a carer, it means caring for your animals, for your livestock, caring for your plants and your crops. And whilst you do that, you support wildlife on that journey. But, you know, primarily farmers are there to produce food you know, for, for, for the island and, and, and for sale further afield. Yeah, and like going back to what you were saying there, Paul, back in December, you had, uh, as part of the competition, the FWAG Silver Lapwing winners from last year over to the Isle of Man. Yeah, they've got regional winners, and then they have, in the UK, they have an overall competition for the, what they call the Silver Lapwing, and that is judged annually. So we, we were fortunate to meet, uh, we went ourselves, Irene and I, and David Bellamy from... Uh, the trust from the wildlife trust went over to the uh, awards in June, and we actually met the new the new winner. He was there as a finalist when we were talking to him, and Ewan uh, Davies, and he far he's an upland farmer in in North Wales, uh, some to- high high country as yeah, we would call I it. Imagine, yeah. You know he he, he farms on on the, the Welsh system. He has some of his ground is in by that's enclosed. Some of it is open, what they call the the, the frith or the freeth, and then then the open mountain, uh, similar to our mountains. So the three different sectors, if you like, and a lot of the area he farms is found in about twelve hundred acres. But a lot of the large proportion of his acre is designated as triple SI ground. Uh, so he he has to farm under under management agreements, uh, but still produces. Some excellent. He's, he's one of the, I think he was the first Welsh Ling cattle farmer, 
uh, with the you know using the Lane cattle that obviously came down from Scotland originally, uh, a breed that was developed after the war, and and uh, but he also has Penderin ewes if that's the right pronunciation, which is the South Wales mountain sheep. You'll know that as a sheep breeder. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's many so, breeds in Wales, isn't there? <laughs> uh, so he has pen, Penderin ewes and Welsh Lane cattle, uh, and. You know, he does a, does a crack, cracking job at farming under under very, very harsh, challenging conditions. And that said, Paul, I suppose having a speaker likes of him that's actually day-to-day farming in such harsh environments, it does give, does give encouragement to our farmers as well. You know, they can get actively involved in, in small ways as well because a lot of the time a group like this, they think, oh, no, that's not for me. I don't do much with the wildlife side of the business. But it's surprising how, like you say, it comes hand in hand. It's nice for local farmers to be able to rub shoulders and engage with somebody that's a, that's a day-to-day farmer that, that farms, you know, and has to cope with the, with, with the challenges of, of, of the weather and nature, just the same as ourselves. But at the same time, a very forward, progressive farmer. I mean, they're, they're ex- and come on to this in a minute, he's exploring his own routes to market with, with his beef. But, you know, he's involved with Bank University as a carbon monitor farm. Is involved as been involved with as as a monitor farm, with the been farming connect dem, demo farm, is involved in the glass tier, the advanced agri environment scheme, and and so he's engaging with lots of other farming groups, as as somebody that's happy to share his experiences and his challenges, and it's 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 great been a great opportunity to to, to bring him over just before Christmas. He was on the island for, I think, Hillary reckoned for 26 hours. <laughs> and we started off with a breakfast meeting with doc- Dr. Michelle Haywood from the department. Uh, and we then, we took him to see both both last year's winner, winner of the Bronze Chop Award on the island, David and Rob Cool. And then uh, in the afternoon, we visited Anna, Anna Krush of Mackled. Uh, but in in between all of that, we had a meeting at DEPA with new director of Ag, Chris Neal, and the, and some members of the ecosystems policies team. We also uh, had a lunchtime meeting with the Max National <laughs> Farmers Union, me. with the Land Environment Committee, who were obviously again very interested in some of the the work to do with triple SIs and and you know fitting that into into upland farming. And then we had an evening meeting uh, with over over fifty in attendance. A lot, a lot of practical farmers, you know, Manx farmers and, and other people who just support us at Wildlife. just shows how everyone's wanting to learn. They want to embrace. Now agriculture has to work in balance with nature. And uh, hearing from an experienced person like Owen, it, it's absolutely fantastic to have them come over. Now, this year's winner, you touched on it there, was Anna Carew. She won the, the Farm Conservation Chuff Award, the Bronze Chuff Award. Now, she would be a fairly big sheep farmer, you know, not an awful lot of spare time to do bits and pieces that, you know, you think that's needed for this competition. But it's stuff that she's doing every day. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, within the judging, as, as when we were talking to Phil previously after the presentation, the farm competition is about good farming practice. It's not just about the birds and butterflies. They're important and, and, and they're, yeah. they're to be encouraged. But it's about you know resource management, waste management, energy efficiency, the way farmers have got to be more mindful in terms of their, their energy use and their energy capture, looking to ways of energy capture, you know, about community engagement and, 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 and all, also all other matters. You know, the key important thing is obviously uh, production sustainability and, and then tapped into that is the wildlife biodiversity and the conservation benefits that are 
that, that nature is, is getting on the back of good farming practice. Yeah, and like all of those things like sound quite modern and, you know, sometimes it can all get a little bit overwhelming, you know, sort of energy capture, energy efficiency, but they're quite simple when you actually break it down. You know, what are you doing differently? Turning light switches off, you, you know, harnessing different ways of using different types of energy. But can any farmer get involved with this competition then, Paul? Absolutely, yeah. And we, this year we're looking to, with, again with support from Jackson's, looking to actually move the judging forwards a little. The last couple of years we've judged late August, early September, uh, but we've promised His Excellency and Lady Lorimer that we will give them really good notice this year <laughs> so that they can get out and judge with us again. Uh, they kindly presented the awards uh, in October, but I, I got a telling off for not giving them enough notice <laughs> of, the, of the judging so we could fit it into their very, very busy schedules. So. You know, we're looking forward to hopefully get, getting out and get, getting the judging done probably mid-summer this year rather than late summer mm. uh, so we can get, get things uh, more timely. And perhaps when different, it's for judges to see a different window on the farms and you know, perhaps things are a little bit more uh, special yeah. stuff's in flower and that sort of thing. Yeah, because there is some beautiful uh, farms around around the Isle of Man. Some of them are very sort of oldie-worldy and, and smallholder type farms where the hedges are still Manx sod hedges. You know, very little has been done in the last sort of 50, 100 years, but kept and producing good quality food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the island is well, it's well versed that the island's abundance of hedgerows tapestry of hedgerows that were probably one of the, one of the top places in the world in terms of the the, the miles of hedgerow and and, and that, that it it provides shelter you know we, we talked about that before you switch the mic on about you know it's shelter for sheep at lambing time and calving getting out of the wind uh, but so much more than that it's providing you know a haven for wildlife as well and such so you know but so much of our manx landscape is as it has been for for many many generations and like you say some of the tours when we get the cruise boats in they do get a tour up to beth and steve martin one farm in particular it looks like time has stood still but yet a really really good productive farm but 70 percent of the island itself is looked after by the farmers oh yeah uh, and and without that input from our current generations that are involved in in day-to-day farming but you know for, for year, years before us that the farmers manage the environment. I remember sitting in a meeting in 2016 and, and asking uh, a member of, uh, of DEFA, how do you put a value on the green countryside, for want of a different word, uh, that farmers help to, to manicure, to manage, to sustain, as well as trying to produce food? Because that's one of the reasons why we get visitors come to the island, as you said, the cruise ships. It's one of the reasons we get people come over to visit the island. It's one of the reasons that people like to come for the bikes. They're not just here for the for this, this, the smell of the oil from the old two strokes. They're <laughs> yeah. here for the whole atmosphere of the island and the beauty of the flora and fauna of the island. And, and as such, it, it it's the, the farming folk of the island are the ones that help help to care for and cherish that, that landscape. And I don't think the island ever did jump on the, the intensive farming bandwagon. No. No, farmers have had to be productive, and 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 follow the the lead, and the support. You know, when I first came to the island in the eighties, we had tremendous support from the field offices at at, at DEF, uh, the the two Johns, JB and JH, uh, and and you know the massive support, and and there was a lot of very very good practice was developed, a lot of you know training and and so on and support. Which you know has, has continued over the, over the years, but they're my first memories of the island. 
and as such farmers have got to farm to produce the food and as such they have a responsibility within society often it's it uh manx farmers will be, be slow to come forward to to admit just what a good job they do and with your group here paul the flag isle of man group how many years has it been running now told by george ratcliffe back to the late 60s uh and we've got some life members uh that that's still still with us today uh sadly some of the original founders of flag on the isle of man you know have gone, gone to gone to, to higher heaven yeah but there's there's still we've still got a number of life members that, that joined right right at the outset so we're just doing our bit keep keeping keeping the 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 wheels turning at the moment and how do people get involved how can they join the group and move forward with you all join us when we've got meetings when we've got farm walks when we've got talks uh and and so on and uh we're, we're hoping uh we have had a, a chat with uh ad cowan who's retired from the from the as a met man uh we're trying to twist his arm at the moment to do us do us a talk uh again looking at uh the the way the weather weather patterns of the island providing challenges for farmers and for wildlife yeah, you know is, alongside each other yeah. so we're looking to get Aidy to do to do, do a talk in, in the next few weeks uh and then going on in may we're hoping to get Stuart johnson over who is the farm carbon toolkit again there's so much science going on in in manx agriculture and and what have you that we don't shout about but the, you know we're having to look so much more at not just at soil chemistry as we've focused on in, you know for the last 30 40 years yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's now a greater emphasis on looking at soil biology yeah you know the, the, there's more bacteria microorganisms and what have you in one teaspoonful of soil than there is you know people on this planet <laughs> you know, and 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 we we fail to understand the the dynamics of that, and we are you know learning, uh, and as part and this is part of what's coming with with regenerative agriculture. With it's, it's a greater understanding of of the interaction between soil biology and soil chemistry, and, and bringing it all together. Some of it you would say is is alternative thinking. Some of it is actually looking back to to the way things were done of old, and actually yeah. perhaps in the past practices were followed without fully understanding the the science behind what was being yeah. done but there's so much good practice was there that it actually is paying paying recognition so say so Stuart Johnson we're look, looking to get him over he was he's just the soil farmer of the year in the UK he's a farmer from up Northumberland and his visit will be on the back of uh, the grass Max Grassland Society he had a guy called Joe Williams over before Christmas an eminent sort of world expert and he was over on the island for two three days grass society had him over and again then we'll be picking up on some of joel's science and with when stuart comes over and hopefully gets again get some practical workshops and talks but again from a farmer's perspective same as you and another farmer from across that's you know a different part of the country but living and he's a suckler farmer up in the hills in near hexham up in northumberland mm -hmm. but again you know caring and understanding you know about the soils but using that, I mean, at the end of the day, the soils, the land is the vehicle for sustaining our livestock, for growing our crops in. And the more, as a, as an industry, we learn about 
dynamics uh, in this constant changing environment so we can work work with nature to, to, to do our bit. Well, this is it. Like you say, food production is key, but done in the correct way. But Paul, having these people come over, these knowledge exchange opportunities, is absolutely fantastic for our younger farmers, or even older farmers, at that said. There's a, there's a, a, a saying in Manx agriculture, every day's a school day. <laughs> and the, and the, the, day, the day when I go to bed at night, not having learnt something that day, it's a day wasted. <laughs> There we go. That was Paul Fletcher from the Farming and Wildlife Advisory Group. And uh, the importance there of, of emphasising, I suppose, that uh, uh, people aren't just uh, diddling around, cutting hedges and trimming a few ditches. <laughs> they are actually farming as well. I think it was an important part uh, listening to that. Absolutely. It's all about the commercial food production. And it was great to see quite a large sheep owner actually win the award there, Anna Karush, uh, the Karush family that have been farming in Mackle for numbers of years. Uh, she came away with a Bronze Chuff Award and uh, she's always great to follow on social media, uh, all of what she's getting up to in the days. Uh, very interesting and all about uh, sustainable farming. So well done to Anna out there in Mackle. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed, Kiri. Uh, that's it for this week's Countryside. We're back next week at six on Tuesday. So until then, from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermode. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.